You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to The Urban Shooter, found on KenBlanchard.com. Interview with the author of Zombie Strike, Derek Ward. Barbara Baird from Women's Outdoor News gives us some really good stuff about hunting and hunters and the myths and misconceptions of them both. For you blues lovers, Bones Hooks gives us a rendition of Albert King's Walk in the Back Streets. All this and more coming up next on episode 208 of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is the program variety show that features inspiration, observations, and conversations about life, the shooting sports, and more. And here he is, now helping you survive another week, your friend and brother from a different mother, the black man with a gun, the pastor of patriots, paladins, and pistoleros, Ken Blanchard. Hey, 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 so glad you came back and checked me out again. If you want to email me, you can anytime you feel like it at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. You can call me, leave a message, a voicemail. You can send a shout out, something that you want to hear on a podcast or want me to get, talk about a little bit in detail. And it could range from life to, to death. It could, I mean, anything, anything in between. And to do that, you just call 888 888- Six seven five zero two zero two, and if you missed that number, just rewind. How cool is that? You know, I'm thinking a lot about death and grieving this week. Unfortunately, I um I have two cousins that uh, were suffering with cancer. One's in remission, and one passed away. So that's just some sad stuff. And I lost that one just a few days ago, and she had a tough life in general. Her strange husband is a junkie, and uh, he's using Facebook to try to get donations for a funeral that she already paid for. It's just sad. You know, she was 40 years old, died of cancer, and been suffering with it for a long time. It's an ugly story. Why? Because it's family. I mean, I know them. Different when you watch on television. You ever think about your own funeral? I kind of got stuck there for a minute. You know, I don't want a whole bunch of folks crying and slobbering over themselves about me at mine. That's right. I want a party, man. I want everybody happy. I don't think I want to be cremated either. You know what I want to do? I want to be blown up. That's right. Instantaneous, massive combustion. I want to go up in a fireball that can be seen for miles like a mushroom cloud. Sing a hymn. Hug somebody, say some nice stuff, and then press a button. That's what I'm talking about. And video the mug. Put it on YouTube. Then you can send the money to my kids so they can party too. I don't want nobody to be sad. I don't want you sad either. So let's get John Wayne in here to crank off episode 208 with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And next up, my sister Barbara from womensoutdoornews.com. Hey, Urban Shooter, this is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News. Neither a thug nor a warrior I be. 
I am an American hunter. I am not a warrior. I am not a thug. Contrary to what seems to be a huge marketing push these days in the outdoor world, to feature hunters as brave warriors and or thugs, neither of these terms applies to why I hunt, and frankly, it bothers me that this is the perception. Recently, we ran a news ditty here at The One about the surge in women hunting and about how some have attributed that to the Sarah Palin effect. My pal, Holly Heiser, also known as NorCal Cazadora, a duck hunting enthusiast extraordinaire, picked up this news too and wrote about why this bothers her, this whole notion that Sarah Palin represents women hunters at her blog. Basically, she believes that to equate Palin with hunting might be polarizing and in some case not in some cases, not helping the cause. Even less splashy, but out there and possibly in the subconscious of the estimated 60% of Americans who really could like or dislike the whole idea of hunting is this notion that we must sell hunting as machismo. Especially when women are leading the pack in numbers, where is that coming from? So thank you, Marketing World, we see an introduction of warrior and thug brands. Believe me, my pals and I know what warriors are. Like Gretchen Steele, a photographer from Illinois that contributes to the shoot-to-thrill department here at The One, who is also a carp-fishing, field-dog-testing hunting fool, who is getting ready to bid her son goodbye as his Marine Corps unit prepares to head back on yet another deployment. She ain't no warrior, but she raised one. Or Tani Ballou, our camel mom here at The One, who is an accomplished hunter too. Her son, who is my son-in-law, is a warrior and continues to drill one weekend a month with his Marine Corps unit after his return here in 2009 from Iraq. Or my buddy Melita Ellington from the Atlanta area, who writes reviews for our gear court and teaches NRA-certified firearms courses, whose son came home safe last year from Afghanistan in intense combat. And closer to home, I lived with a warrior for several years as the military dictated where our family lived. There were many nights when the kid's daddy wasn't home for supper or bedtime stories because he was on duty somewhere in the world. And dearer to my heart these days, Baby Boy is a warrior in training at the Combat Engineer School at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, also known as Fort Lost in the Woods. And I believe Ken knows all about that location. So just this week, Baby Boy was incommunicado as he spent three days in the hypothermic cold and rainy weather in the field, setting charges, learning to blow bridges and take down doors. So this notion of being a warrior because you throw a dang dead turkey over your shoulder makes me sick. And even worse, there's the whole thug aspect. Take the new show, Turkey Thugs, described like this. In a game built entirely upon stealth, silence, and secrets, where hard facts and solid information run few and far between, often with no true help to be found, Mossy Oak Productions' newest series delivers. Turkey Thug separates the warriors from the wannabes and takes hunters new and old inside the minds of those most obsessed with the rites of spring. Oh, and there's that word again, warriors. Last time I checked, a thug was defined as a violent person or criminal. Hmm, nice connotation and so appropriate, don't you think, for associating a hunter as a thug? Especially in light of what Holly wrote about in her blog, too, the fact that the antis are watching. But even more importantly, some folks just haven't made up their minds yet about hunting. 
Weekend warriors and turkey thugs are not promoting the concept that hunting is an American tradition offered to a free society and part of our efforts to promote conservation, eat healthy, and get outdoors. Is that too girly? How would you promote hunting? This is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News. See us online at www.womensoutdoornews.com. And thank you very much, Ken. Bye. You are so very welcome, Barbara. Thank you. All right. Check out KenBlancher.com in the show notes for 208 for the full article about Project Gunrunner. And that's the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives messed up project that just demonstrates the need that that agency needs to just go away. Also, there's a YouTube clip for a new 20 millimeter gun that is destined for Hollywood. You'll see the whole clip there. Check out the Firearms Guide 2011 edition. Gives you instant schematics, info about a gazillion guns, and increases your knowledge base. Please join me in remembering a great icon of the entertainment community. The Pillsbury Doughboy died yesterday of a yeast infection and trauma complications from repeated pokes in the belly. He was 71. Doughboy was buried in a lightly greased coffin. Dozens of celebrities turned out to pay their respects, including Mrs. Butterworth, Hungry Jack, the California Raisins, Betty Crocker, the Hostess Twinkies, and Captain Crunch. The gravesite was piled high with flour. Aunt Jemima delivered the eulogy and lovingly described Doughboy as a man who never knew how much he was needed. Born and bred in Minnesota, Doughboy rose quickly in show business, but his later life was filled with turnovers. He was not considered a very smart cookie, wasting much of his dough on half-baked schemes. Despite being a little flaky at times, he still was a crusty old man and was considered a positive role model for millions. Doughboy is survived by his wife, Play-Doh, three children, John Doe, Jane Doe, and Dosi Doe. Plus, they had one in the oven. He's also survived by his elderly father, Pop-Tart. The funeral was held at 3.50 for 20 minutes. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. Do you have a copy of the book, Black Man with a Gun? A responsible gun ownership manual for African Americans. It's a good primer for the activist. Makes a great gift for the new shooter. Gives you instant cool points. Get your autographed copy today on KenBlanchard.com. Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo, your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com Good prices, 
LuckyGunner.com. If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com. Order your ammo today, LuckyGunner.com, where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. It's 110% guaranteed. LuckyGunner.com. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. All right, I got you back. This has been a crazy weekend. I'm going to slip into the boomstick lounge and pull up a chair and grab me a cold beverage. Listen to the blues for about a few minutes, and then uh, we'll get on with our featured presentation and then zombie strike, if that's all right with you. Let me know what you think about this one.
good man preacher To treat me like you do You said you ain't done nothing to me I just can't stay here with you I stood and watched my baby As far as I could see girl started running after waving goodbye to me that was too much for me that's why I walked the back streets and cried so bad Yes, it did To hear my baby say Derek Ward, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks, Ken. It's great to be here. Man, you've done an excellent job with Zombie Strike. And for the record, ladies and gentlemen, I have the author and the creative genius behind Zombie Strike on the Urban Shooter Podcast right now. I got to say, I have to share the genius. I mean, you made the sandbox. I just make the sandcastles. But you do it so well, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's Orson Welles. It's... Uh, it's old-time radio sounding. The, the characters have depth. You can actually identify with a couple of people. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's really, really good work. I enjoy it because it lets me push my creative bounds. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed doing is switching between the characters hmm. um, for each story arc so you have a different voice. Um, like this current storyline, we're, we're looking through the eyes of former chief warrant officer Eric Stahl. Right. Um, That's smooth, man. That's really smooth. And it, it's real easy just to, you know, write yourself or write, you know, uh, the mall ninja or what. Because I looked back at some of my old writing. I was like, oh, my God, this is so mall ninja. <laughs> He's got to have everything HK and, you know, black tactical. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I've enjoyed it because it lets me um, 
try new voices out, try new ideas. Um, some of it is part me, um, some of it is some of my friends. Nice. Uh, and then some of it is just uh, things I come up with and see if they run. Hmm. Um, or I blatantly steal from other artists. But everything, nothing, nothing new under the sun. Solomon said that. So how do you get into the head of a former chief warrant officer? Where'd that come from? Um, I like having a good, solid um, military guy mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the team. Um, some of the guys have some military background. Yep. Some of them are just proficient shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted someone on there because I wasn't going to have Colin on there anymore. I wanted someone to act as, um, act as Mateo's, uh, go-to guy. And it's fun right now because he's still just coming out of the army where he's used to, um, soldiers. And that's why you, when Throughout this one, you see him referring to the rest of Zombie Strike by last uh, name, by their last names, because he still thinks he, he's getting to the point where he's th- thinking of them. You know, he's hopefully he'll be starting thinking less of them as you know his fellow soldiers and more of you know his family, like the rest of the team does. Yeah, I just caught on to that the other day because I was I'm reading this stuff right and. I get into it and lose my place. <laughs> and I go, doggone it. That person switched. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm loving this story. I don't, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I, I actually, I love it. Um, Jess Montgomery. That's an yeah. interesting character. Yeah. Um, she really isn't based on anyone. She is really my experiment in can I write a believable um, teen woman, likable female character, because I will admit that's one of my, that's my biggest weakness. Hmm. Um, I feel kind of bad for her because I keep doing horrible things. I mean, I <laughs> killed her parents. I killed her, uh, first love. I killed her, you know, really mature love. Um, I just keep doing, you know, I keep <laughs> putting tragedy on her, but uh, you know, I'm, I have big plans for her, and unfortunately, that's part of it. All right, that's cool, man. That's cool. How about um, how about the the weirdness, the weird people? How about Mikael? That that's that guy is kind of different. You know, I know they're fighting zombies, and I really didn't. Zombies are bad enough in and of themselves, but after you know, you get enough fully automatic firepower and artillery, and it's just, you know, a day at the range to at some point. That's true. They really need someone who can just kick their butts and not even think twice about it. Um, need, a, need a nemesis, something bigger yeah, than... They need, there needs to be a real um, strong danger. Um, and... You know they're fighting against a god in in many respects, and so it makes sense that the god would have, um, for lack of a better term, a Samson that he could send down, and you know that he could imbue with his power and just cause havoc. Man, that's all right. How long have you been writing? Oh, jeez. 
I've been writing on and off since I was like 15. Um, I've written some urban horror, um, military sci-fi. I like doing military sci-fi um, because I've never been in the military. I've just read a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, if it's really far in the future and my traditions don't match up with the traditions like in the Corps or in the Army, well, then they don't have to be the same traditions. Hmm. If, I, you know, if I miss a little part of w- what makes Army life Army life today, well, if it's in the far future, who cares? They have their own traditions at that point. Right, right. So it's... Um, I bet you hell on chess game, aren't you? Pardon? I bet you're a pretty good chess player. You know, I'm really not because I... No, because... The nice thing about writing Mm -hmm. is although you have some rules and you have to fulfill your expectations, um, if I don't like the fact that my knight can't go across the board, then I'll just make up a new rule and make him do that. Ah, um, I see. I, you know, and in some respects, you hold to a certain degree. You hold ultimate sway. Yeah, you do. Um, it's your realm. Yeah. So if you know, I want to keep things as pl- you know, relatively plausible, um, as po- you know, as possible as you can get when you're dealing with you know deific uh, forces and the undead. Um, that's a word, man. I had never heard that before until I read it. What? Deific. You know, I have to really watch how I speak sometimes uh, because I'm used to dealing with people who grew up as gamers mm. where our Saturdays were D&D and whatever other gaming system we, uh, we could latch our hands on to. So there are times I forget when people, when words that are commonly used within my circle are not used outside of that, of that subculture. And, that, and that's one of those words. Yeah. Man, I read that thing. I thought, this has got to be a typo. I looked at it and went, wow. And that's not the first time either. I'm, I'm going to tell you right off that. I, I have been educated narrating this story. Make me look good, dude. I do try. I, sometimes I, there, sometimes I, I, I'm reading some, you know, I go back and do a reread and I'm like, no, I'm not sure if I should send a pronunciation guide up on this one. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I feel ghetto. <laughs> but I don't care. I keep right on and, doing it. You know, it's just, there are certain words that, you know, certain uh, groups, you know, things that are not within the mainstream realm and it's really fun when I'm dealing with my coworkers and they're like and they're asking me what is Cthulhu and I'm like oh okay now I have to explain Cthulhu yeah yeah I'd be one of those guys <laughs> <laughs> but you know I've come I've come so far in my life that I am no longer um, neither offended nor feel slighted for not knowing now I have a hunger it's like oh what else can I learn? Yeah, I, you know, it really annoys me when I when I'm working with other people, um, and I'm trying to explain a concept to them, 
and their opinion is, is well, I'm, you know, I'm retiring in a few years, or I'm not going to be doing this in a few years. So what do I need to know this for? I'm like, oh yeah, that shuts me down too. It's like, you know, you're in this job. You should want to do the best job you can do. If you really hate this job, it's not like you can't go get another one. I know empl- unemployment is down, but I work for the federal government. You can. There are always some place you can shift to, and keep your, you know, keep all your little benefits that you like. But this whole, uh, you know, I'm going to be retiring in a few years, or um, I'm just going to be here for a little bit, so I don't really need to know this part of it. That annoys the heck out of me. I always want to learn. I always want to be better. Yep. That's the difference between growth and stagnation. And I had to explain what somebody, what stagnant meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Water that doesn't flow is a swamp. Yeah. Some people like the swamp. I like the swamp, but that's where you can usually hunt for gator. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I, I don't like people who just wallow in medi- in their own mediocrity. Yeah, that's that's a crime. So you you are a um a writer. What else do you do? Um, still I'm gaming. A, I still game uh, when I have the chance. Uh, my I'm actually having to run a game of Deadlands here pretty good, which is really good um, steampunk era, uh, Wild West, along with some horror and magic thrown in for good fun. Okay, you got to break that one down. What's, what's steampunk? Steampunk? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the steampunk is Victorian era for lack of science fiction, take the technology available during the Victorian era and assume that they had uh, more knowledge. They were just limited by their technology and they overcame it. Um, good examples of steampunk would actually would be like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was a real good example of steampunk in its earliest phases. Um, there is a book called Leviathan Hmm. that was really good but what's really interesting is you have steam powered robots usually oh okay Uh, just you know ray guns powered by tesla coils so it's you have all the romance and wonder of that era of that era combined with the hard sci-fi stuff that we we've grown accustomed to See, there you go again. I would have never have heard of steampunk if it wasn't for you. Oh, I I, I adore the the genre. I'm I'm not sure how I'd ever write a story in that, but I'm I really adore the genre. So, what else have you written? Can anybody else find any other other stuff? Um, I'm revamping my Mall Ninja Werewolf story. Uh, <laughs> That's such a thing. Well. One of the first things I did was starting to work on an uh, urban horror. You know, your basic vampires versus werewolves. Um, How's it Because urban? I kept watching these things, and I'm like, you don't need to do that. You can use an MP5, and you'll be just fine. You know, so I've 
I have an idea for revamping that one, so I'm going to revamp it, and I'll probably put it up on a, on a like a blog posting. Mm -hmm. um, one of the concepts I want to try and do is one thing that always annoyed me when I was reading stories is they is sometimes the author's descriptions of weapons or places wasn't really great, mm -hmm. but we have the internet, yeah. So why not hyperlink it back to its Wikipedia entry? Oh, okay. So I've been going back through there, and when I'm mentioning a gun or mentioning some place in Tampa, I, I know Tampa very well. So things that seem commonplace to me, that seem ordinary, um, I will I might overlook. But if I'm showing you a picture of it, I'm showing you a picture of Centro Ebor, which is our big like entertainment complex um, down in the old cigar uh, manufacturers. Uh, district. If I can show you that, it's a heck of a lot easier than just explaining every little bit in detail, because I know I'm going to miss stuff that other people will find find fascinating. Oh, okay. Do a lot of, lot of research goes into your your work, huh? It does. Um, it, part of it is, you know, the old adage, write what you know, and I. I love reading military history. I love reading military stuff, and I'm a gunny, so I, I absorb everything I hear on podcasts and such. So I try to put that in the writing. Um, how does this pistol work? You know, I I don't like watching Hollywood films, and then I'm going, that doesn't work right. No, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Sometimes it's so blatant. You're just, you're just going, oh my god. And then, authors they just take name brands. They don't really research their, their right. firearms. Right, right. My biggest beef is reading, you know, going into a book and then, the author tells me that he took his safety off the Glock, and I'm like, I he know. couldn't do basic research. So that's a tip I mean, for all future writers, right? Well, people who are listening to this podcast should know that Glocks don't have external safeties. Um, but, you know, if you're writing, you should at least research. I mean, I'm, I had to go back and make sure, what time does the sun set in Panama? <laughs> because you have to keep track of that. Are, you know, if, if it's too late, is your team fighting in darkness or is it fighting in twilight? Oh, yeah. I have people comment on me. They'd say, um, hey, man, I just realized there's a countdown. And then they go off on a tangent because they want to know when the, what happens when it all ends. And it's like, I don't know. I'm reading it just like you. I have a plan. I know you do. I will tell, I will tell the readers I have a plan. Um and if this is still successful when that countdown clock hits, I have a way to keep the story going. <laughs> or it will just end there. Um, I think a lot I'm of it just depends on whether people are still really excited about this. Um, they are. They well, are. I'm glad to hear that because yeah, I have man. a lot of fun doing this. I've, I've even, I've even have... I have a 50-50 split. I have people who say, I don't care much for Zombie Strike. And then I have just as much people, just as many people saying, 
I don't care much for the rest of your show, but I love Zombie Strike. <laughs> and I, I'm going, wow, I could almost be offended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dirt voice for it. <laughs> but it's all good. It's, you know, I'll be honest. It is fun for me. It is a great, um, it's a great place to just force myself to write. I mean, even weeks when I'm not feeling it, um, just being able to crank out a part and, and just make myself do it is really helpful. It's uh, take some discipline, man, because you've, you've gone through even through some sicknesses and, and challenges of weather and travel and the mail has gone through. Well, I, you know, it's, Sometimes I look at the, you know, I, I, I'm setting up my computer and I look at the screen and they can see my cursor blinking and I'm going, what the heck am I going to do now? <laughs> you wouldn't know it from this end. Well, um, I've been, list- one th- you know, going back to always trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always, you know, just written uh what I wanted to, how I wanted to, you know, since I was pretty much writing for myself and never really expecting to publish, I mean, I might show it to some friends of mine, um, or that kind of thing, but actually having to write where people are seeing it, you have to, to go and listen to the experts and, and find out, you know, what, what am I doing? What do I need to improve? Um, and one of my favorite bits of, of um, advice was, if you don't know what to do, blow something up. <laughs> Keep it interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I've been trying to put, you know, as much, you know, trying to map out how, these, how the individual arcs are going, as well as the whole countdown arc, if you will. All right. Well, good on you, man. I mean, it's... it's is working. Um, I even like the fact that no, nobody's thrown stones um, at their iPod for me trying to do some of the voices. Because I'm in here laughing at myself going, oh, that's really bad. But practice. Every, everything is practice. I'll, I'll be better next year than I am today. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think that the the parts, the zombie strike parts that I'm putting out now are better in quality and that the arc is uh, is a tighter arc than when I did the first one. Hmm. Cuz the first one I'm just you know I spent 3 weeks you know going through different scenarios before I settled on oh well you know this would work. Hmm. And that was that first batch of stories I sent up to you. Stuff is golden, man. And I don't doubt that um, eventually this thing might turn out to be a television series or something. Or who knows? Who knows where it's going to go? Uh, the way I look at it is, I'm still having fun. Yeah, I'll keep doing it as long as I'm still having fun. If it gets any farther, uh, that would be really great. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm I'm much more. It's much more satisfying to know that they're, that the listeners enjoy the segment. Yeah, they do. That that yes. I can attest to. 
I mean, worldwide too. Mm. That's just sometimes that's just awe-inspiring that we have people all over the world listening to this. Yeah, all the all the English-speaking places, man. Even 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 the not so English-speaking, like like Brazil, has about twenty or thirty listeners on a regular. That is just fascinating. China wins, though, actually, um, for listeners that are not, you know, native English speakers. China, that number grows more every week. And that makes me laugh because somebody's um, learning their English from me. So we're going <laughs> to, you're going to, you're going to meet a Chinese person with my accent. That's going to be funny by itself. Oh, we need enough, enough people with southern accents that we're not ridiculed anymore. <laughs> it's that's part of the takeover right there. <laughs> Man, thank you for this. Um, I really appreciate you having taken the time to come on board. Um, any final um, words? Uh, you know, I never thought I would be doing this professionally. I always thought I was going to just you know, write just for myself. So anyone who thinks that they can't, just write. Um, listen to other podcasts that, that go on writing. Read the books, but just put up a website and write. Find someone who's willing to do like you did for me and just narrate the stories. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Good for you, Derek. I really appreciate you, man. I mean, just... You're like a brother to me. And I look forward to our conversations, our emails, and not to least, a new episode of Zombie Strike every week. Well, I really want to thank you for giving me the opportunity and really for uh, just giving me a place where I like to hang my hat. Cool. Cool. And then when we finish Zombie Strike, who knows? Maybe you'll do something else. We can hire a whole crew of people and we'll get... Uh, We'll make a screenplay out of this thing or stage play. Who knows where this thing can go? With the way things are going today, you can probably do it in the back with a camcorder and have the all the digital stuff sitting on your computer. Uh-huh. All the role players sitting around doing the voices with scripts. Might mm-hmm. be kind of fun, actually. Yeah. Let's not invite the gun dudes, though. <laughs> They're always welcome. Maybe just not right here. <laughs> All right, man. Until next time. Take I'll talk care. to you later, man. All right. Bye. Last week on Zombie Strike. All right. Last week we're still in Redencion, Panama, and Eric Stahl is leading the charge, and he has a. Uh, some sorcerers and the truth soldiers with them, and they're taking a fight to the enemy. They're actually going to root out some vampires, and it was a light show to behold. Sorcerer took a, took a, I ain't going to say take a bullet. I say took one for the team, yeah. And uh, they got some, though, but they didn't get as many as they thought. Something's up with the vampires. But you got the good guys and the bad guys working together, and that's always a good thing. That brings us up to episode number 71 of Zombie Strike. KenNBlanchard.com presents Zombie Strike.
Part 7, Chapter 71, 15 miles north of Redencion, Panama, 3 February 2011, 18 hours local, countdown, 10 months, 28 days. Eric Stahl looked up at the sky. Daylight was vanishing. His team had less than 30 minutes before the sun dropped below the horizon. The zombie strike shooters and the truth soldiers were trained and equipped to fight in the dark. The two sorcerers, on the other hand, would be lucky not to trip over the few branches and debris that littered the forest floor. It was hard enough already to keep their noise down to a dull roar compared to the rest of the team. Then there were the vampires. The team was following the small copper amulet that Father Rodriguez gave Stahl, or at least the best they could. The amulet didn't actually point out the vampires, but gave odd pulses. It was kind of like playing hot and cold with a kindergartner, but with lethal consequences. The amulet kept pointing them up to the mountains, but every time the team seemed to get close, the vampires retreated. Tredegar, the FBI agent assigned as liaison to Zombie Strike, suspected the vampires were evading the team until they had fully evolved into the creatures of legend. Stahl didn't know what he was going to do if that happened. Zombie Strike didn't normally pack silver bullets, holy water, or wooden stakes. I absolutely despise when an enemy refuses to go along with a decent plan, Evan said quietly as he walked over to Stahl. The lead soldier for the truth was acting as Stahl's second-in-command for this mission. Much as Stahl hated to admit it, he kind of liked the man. Evans was formerly of the French Foreign Legion before he joined the truth, and that experience showed in his steadiness under attack and tactical divisiveness. It probably wouldn't have worked anyway, Stahl said, looking at the map on his PDA. I wish I could just ford up and call in airstrikes. Evans nodded in wry agreement. Could your sorcerers do anything to help? They say no, Evans answered. Actually, they say a bunch of gibberish that I don't understand, but it boils down to no. Stahl grimaced. Since the team had lost Jane, the last two sorcerers balked at any plan that put them in possible danger. Stahl was tempted to use the two as bait, but Evans and his soldiers were sworn to protect them. Stahl didn't want to kill Evans just yet. Chief, can you do me a favor? Montgomery asked as she strode up to the pair. Can you put that amulet away if you're not using it? Why? Stahl asked. Because it screams like a dog whistle on steroids to Billy. Montgomery said, planting her hands on her hips. The girl was hyper-protective of the spirit wolf pup. Can he hear it? Evans asked, his voice rising slightly. Yeah, Montgomery answered, taking a step back from the truth soldier. Not a problem, Jess, Stahl said, tucking the amulet under his armor. The girl nodded and went back to the others. That might just explain it, Evans murmured. What? Stahl answered. We've been thinking that the vampires are running from us until they're strong enough to just kill us. What if they were being driven off by that amulet of yours? That doesn't make any sense, Stahl said dismissively. Father Rodriguez said that if I got too close, the amulet would draw them to us. 
You thought it wasn't working right because it was in your possession instead of a true believer's. Evan said, Imagine if this was another effect of you holding the amulet. Stahl nodded his head slowly as realization dawned. Let's test your little theory, Stahl said. They waited until nightfall. Stahl led them out along a game trail. The lack of a moon in the sky kept them hidden in shadows, but it also had their night vision's performance. Stahl was tempted to switch to straight infrared. Then it occurred to him that vampires might be able to see infrared lights. Not a good idea. The forest was quiet. Stahl couldn't hear any of the birds, insects, or other of the myriad of sounds he expected. Sudden movement caught his eye. He didn't try to twist toward the shape. Stahl focused down the game trail. The shiny face glowed green in the night vision. Its eerily human face smiled as it looked directly at Stahl. Stahl flipped on his weapon light. The beam of intense white light bathed the creature. It shrieked in pain and clasped its face with his hands. Stahl opened fire. Bullets riddled his target as it tried to flee. More gunfire erupted as his team engaged the other vampires. Montgomery and Billy came up next to Stahl. The two slowly advanced on their vampire. Round after round slammed into its body. Finally, the creature shrieked and burst into flames. Stahl turned to help the rest of the team. Montgomery grabbed Stahl and dragged him into the forest. What are you doing, girl? Look, she answered, pointing toward the others. The team had stopped fighting. In the center of the team stood a man maybe six and a half feet tall. The rest of the team stood transfixed as the man spoke. Stahl couldn't hear the words, but there was something about the tone that gave him a nasty headache. The tall man pointed down the game trail. The rest of the team lined up in a single file and rhythmically walked past Stahl, Montgomery, and Billy. The tall man followed the team. As he passed, a shiver ran down Stahl's back. Now what do we do? Montgomery asked once. Everyone was out of sight. Not sure, but I'm going to kill whatever that was, Stahl answered. Does your job take you to the hot zone? Want some great gear for the warrior, law enforcement, SWAT, special ops, hunting, and the serious recreational shooter? Check out BlackHawk.com, where honor is a way of life. BlackHawk.com. And tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. BlackHawk.com. You're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast from KenBlanchard.com. If you want to call Ken, you can leave a message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-675-0202 or contact him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. All right, I want to thank you for joining me this week. I hope you got something out of this week's show. Hope I made you smile at least one time. That is my goal to help you make it through another week. You can find me on Facebook at Ken N. Blanchard. You can find me on Twitter, same thing. And uh, make sure that you do. I'm here for you. That's my purpose in life. I hope to see you a couple of times this year, maybe at the uh, NRA annual meeting in Pennsylvania, at the Gun Rights Policy Conference in September, maybe in Hollywood in June. And uh, if you have an event, if you like to get married or you want a special event for your organization, for your gun club, and you're looking for a speaker, think about me. 
Also, if you want a voiceover, I'm available for that too. Trying to make a few pennies here and there. It's hard out here for a brother. You know what I'm saying? You know, the hedge hindered the homicidal hombre from hurting himself. Hmm. That's a thought. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother Ken wishing you peace. Shalom, baby. This concludes another weekly edition of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave Ken a review on iTunes about the show. Join the forum on blackmanwithagun.info or comment on the show notes on kenblanchard.com.